Hey, this is Jeremy Isaacs, lead pastor of Generations Church, where we want to live like it matters. For more information about our church, you can visit us at g.church. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. Thanks again for listening. Yes. You guys are awesome. Hey, it is so good to be here. My name is David, and uh, it's standard operating procedure. Anytime you've got a guest speaker in the 21st century, they shout out their hot wife. Okay, so my hot wife came here right here. She's on the front row. My parents are here with me today, so got, got a lot of love for my family. So if you've got a family that you love, make some noise for them too, right? That's awesome. Hey, before I jump into the message today, I want to honor uh, the pastors of this house, especially Pastor Jeremy. I I don't even know if you know this, and if you don't, you you need to, but you have a just phenomenal leader uh, of this house. Uh, I think the one word that I really think of when I think of Pastor Jeremy is just integrity and just purity of this ministry, purity of his heart, and his leadership has impacted me from afar a leader of leaders, and I, I really am just so honored for the opportunity. And then uh, I went to college with Pastor Aaron, and uh, he's a hooper. I don't know if you guys know that. This dude's a baller, for real. Don't let him fool you. He's got, he's got kids and all that. Look, he's a baller on the court. And then, actually, when I was in youth ministry, when I was doing some youth ministry days, which... Pastor Aaron, I'm glad those days are over, man. I'm, I was not a good youth pastor at all. But, uh, but Pastor Carson, which I never thought I would even say those words back to back, Pastor Carson uh, was actually in my youth group. So good guy, love that guy a lot. And God, look, the gospel does not return void, okay, because uh, I'm just kidding, man. I love that guy so much. He, he's, he's phenomenal. So look, I'm honored. I want to jump right in because I got a lot to say and not a lot of time to say it. And so uh, if you have your Bible, you can start flipping to Luke chapter 8, and I'm going to read it in a moment. But today, we're continuing this parable series, and uh, I'm going to read you a parable about, about plants. Uh, and what I loved about Jesus was uh, his teachings was always something that people could relate to. He talked about things that the world related to. I, I heard a pastor one time say that, uh, you know, if Jesus would have came during the 21st century to start his ministry, he probably would have been a filmmaker because he loved to tell stories that people could connect with and relate to. And he was talking to a culture that really was agrarian and understood what it meant to put seeds in the ground. And uh, although that culture understood that, I am very bad at that. I do not have a green thumb. I don't do plants at all. And last week, my wife was out of town for a whole week, and we don't have kids. We have pugs and plants, okay? And that is stressful enough for me. That's all I can handle at this moment. And she, she said, listen, take care of my plants while I'm gone. And my anxiety, y'all, like it was just like, I was like, oh, God. Oh, and there's like one of them is like this little cactus. And I was like, if I kill this cactus, it means I'm less nourishing than a desert. And I just can't let that be what I'm known for. So I get nervous about plants. It doesn't connect with me, but it connected with this audience. And as we look into it, I want you to try to connect with it as well. Uh, starting in verse 5 here. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on, and the birds ate it up. Then some fell on rocky ground, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. And then other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, yielded a crop, a hundred times more than was sown. When he said this, he called them out, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. And then skipping ahead a little bit, he starts to explain it. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. 
Those along the path are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. So they believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. And then the seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they're choked by life's worries and riches and pleasures, and they do not mature. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and a good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. Okay, so let's understand the imagery right here. God is the sower or the farmer. He sows the seeds. The, the seed is his word. The seed is his word that can become faith in our hearts. And our hearts are the soil. Okay, so if there's a lot of different types of soil, we should all want to be the type of soil that was actually useful to produce a crop. Because the first three soils mentioned were completely useless. Okay, maybe beautiful, but they were useless to produce a crop. And so that's what we're called to do. So the question we're going to answer today, and you'll see this on the screen, I want you to think about this. What do I do when I don't see spiritual growth in me and through me? So what do I do when I don't look anything like what I'm supposed to look like? Not physically, but spiritually. I've got no fruit spiritually. And what do I do when no one around me is being impacted by this gospel that's supposed to be the hope of the world, yet no one else is becoming a believer because of my life either? What am I supposed to do? Well, the first thing you cannot do, you can't blame the sower, okay? Because in this parable, the sower just scattered the seed. Every soil got the same amount of seed. Every soil got a chance, okay? So it wasn't the sower's fault, and you can't blame the seed either, okay? Because the seed obviously had the potential to become fruitful, right? So you can't blame the seed because it was useful. When I was a kid, uh, I, I, I wanted, look, this shows you how bad I am with plants, okay, and how just not smart I am, but uh, we, we, me and my buddy Kyle, we popped some popcorn, and I was like, man, I love popcorn, and you know, some of those kernels don't ever pop, which I don't understand that, like how stubborn of those kernels, but, but anyways, so I was like, you know what, <laughs> let's, let's plant these popcorn seeds and grow some popcorn, okay, so it didn't work, all right? It wasn't because I was a bad sower, although maybe, but I put it in that ground like you're supposed to and watered it, but it was just a bad seed, okay? So what this sower did, he sowed the seeds, and they were good seeds that actually were able to produce a crop. So the problem was the soil itself, okay? So what do we do when we're not seeing fruit in us and through us? We've got to examine our hearts, Okay? You've got to find some people in your life that will be brutally honest with you. Not everybody. And, and don't invite it from Facebook either. It's got to be someone that really cares about you and actually knows how to tell what is spiritual wisdom and not. But you need some people that will tell you, hey, actually, I'm, I'm not seeing the fruit. You know, you're a little more bitter than you used to be. You're, you're not quite as joyful as you used to be. You used to, you used to have a lot more faith than you, you do right now. You need some people like that in your life. And so what we're going to do is we're going to look at each soil to determine what went wrong. Because if it went wrong for the soil, it might be going wrong for us. Okay, so let's look back here. We're going to go to verse 5 and then the explanation of verse 5. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path and it was trampled on and the birds ate it up. And those along the path are the ones who hear and the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. So in other words, because this soil was too close to the path, 
that the world takes, because it was so close to the ways of the world, it got trampled on and the seed got scooped up because it was too close to the world. And you see where I'm going with this. I'm going to sound like an old school preacher and don't walk out, okay, because you might need this. I might be that guy that you need to call you out, all right? And I love you. I don't even know your name, but you might need this here. So the first thing that good soil needs, number one, it needs placement away from the path. Placement away from the path. Look, most of you, if you grew up in church, you could preach this whole part better than even I could. But what if the reason that you're not seeing spiritual growth in your life is because you are dangerously close to the ways of the world? Like, God is trying to send more people in your life to encourage you, but you, are ju- you just can't get out of that scene that you know you're not supposed to be in. You can't seem to let go of that addiction. You can't seem to stop hanging out with that crowd. And the more you get closer to those people, the more you get closer to those sinful things and ideas and that toxic stuff that you're watching and that you're listening to, the enemy just keeps taking those seeds over and over again, and you don't even know why. You don't even know why it's not taking root. I mean, I'm in church every Sunday, and Pastor Jeremy is just throwing out gold. He's throwing out seed like crazy, and it's just not sticking because Sunday night, you're at the bar. Sunday night, you're watching these toxic movies, and then the enemy's like, I'll take that. I'll take that word from your heart right now. Look, I know... I know it's hard preaching, and you might, you might tell Pastor Jeremy, don't bring that guy back here, okay? Don't bring that guy. But listen, this, we need to pay attention to this. Quit asking the question, and look, especially young people really struggle with this one. How close can I get to sin before it's actually a sin, right? Like, how bad can I legally be before I'm in the danger zone? And can I tell you that that question alone shows You're so far from seeing what the gospel has done. That would be like me going to my wife and saying, hey, babe, how much can I like, how close can I get to other women before you get upset about it, right? You care if I give them side hugs? Yeah, I mean, okay. How about just like a full-on hug? What if I just kind of kiss them on the cheek, right? Like what if, at some point she's going to say, why are you so desperate to get close to other women? Why, why, do you, why aren't you trying to get closer to me? Why are you trying to see how far you can push it with that? You're doing the same thing with God. When you ask the question, okay, God, I know your ways are over here. How close can I get to the world's ways before you get upset with me, before I get mad, before you get mad at me? Quit asking that question because every decision you make is a path that you're taking. You're either getting closer to God or further away from him, okay? So you got to check that. I'm inviting you today to reposition the location of your heart, to get your soil back closer to God's ways instead of the world's ways. I'll keep moving here. Verse 6, let's look at the next soil. What went wrong for this one? Some seed fell on rocky ground, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. And those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. In the era of deconstruction of faith, it falls away. Now, we're seeing some progress here because at least this type of soil allowed the seed to take some sort of root. Like the seed at least put down a couple of little roots, but the soil was so rocky that the roots could only go so far. They were shallow. 
So when a strong storm or when a violent wind blew, the plant, whatever, how big or small it was, irrelevant, the roots were so small that it would just blow away. It was blown away by the wind because the rocky soil didn't let it produce deep roots. And I'm here to tell you today, listen, if your faith is not deeply rooted in only the reality of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, if you are not deeply rooted in that, your faith will not be able to stand the test of storms that come your way. You will walk away from your faith. And I'm not trying to speak that over you. I'm warning you. Get your, where is the roots of your faith? What are they attached to? Are they attached to these loose rocks? Are they, atta- are they going deep into the reality of God's word? Because if they're not, when life hits, I am telling you, you won't stand the test of time. So good soil needs, yeah, it needs to be placed away from the path, but it also needs, number two, it needs rocks to be removed. Good soil needs the rocks to be removed. Can I just be really vulnerable with you? And I, I, I love that this is a safe place because no one in here really knows me, and, and I don't know any of your situations, but I am just so grieved and broken for friends that over and over and over again keep quitting on their faith because of how hard life gets. I got a friend up in Maryland that uh, lost her dad to COVID, and her faith is just gone. I mean, it's over. And she, she helped lead small groups where we were discipling new believers. And, and she just doesn't hardly even believe in God at all anymore. Because how could a loving God allow that to happen when God said, look, my goodness was not based on any circumstance you're facing. My goodness was based on the reality of the resurrection. We'll get, more, we'll get into more of that in a second, but I'm just sick of this. Like, I'm sick of people losing their faith because the roots were so shallow. And we love God as long as we're in this nice little Christian bubble where everything goes well. But when COVID or job loss or the loss of a loved one or you pick your scenario comes, we lose our faith. Come on, is your faith rooted deep enough to be able to handle anything? Guys, the, the object of our faith, the little thing that we wear, wear on our earrings and our necklaces is a cross, okay? It's not a cute little design. That's a torture device. So why would we possibly think that following Jesus is going to bring us any comfort at all? The symbol of our faith is a torture device, meaning pain is coming. And when you look at the Bible, the closer people get to Jesus, actually, the more they ended up suffering. Pain was coming to them because of their proximity to Jesus. We've got to know this is coming. So what do we need to do? There's some rocks that we have got to get out of our hearts before it's too late. And there's so many of them. And, you, and I'm praying that the Holy Spirit would show you the rocks in your heart. But here's a couple that this pastor has really been able to, to pick up on in this season. Number one is the rock of entitlement. Entitlement. You got to get rid of that entitlement. And listen, and I know, I know a lot of you thinking, yep, those millennials. Okay, well, I am one of those, okay? And yes, I acknowledge it. I, I don't think I was born in the right generation, to be honest. I, I should have been a boomer, I feel like. But here I am, a 31-year-old, telling you about entitlement, okay? But listen, th- if you think... Let me, let, me, let me pastor you for just a second here. If you think that God owes you anything at all, anything, then you're already setting yourself up for failure. That is a rock in your heart that is going to block the roots. Because if God owes you something, 
Of course you're not going to worship for what you do have because you think you deserved it. Well, I worked hard for my money. Okay, but who gave you the ability to work hard for it? Yeah, I mean, but I did. Listen, he is holding you together right now by the word of his immovable power. And you know what that scripture means? That means if he withdrew his presence from your life, you would cease to exist. You have brought nothing to the table. Everything you have comes from God. He is holding you together. He owes you nothing. And if you think he owes you something, you will not have deep roots. You're missing the point of the gospel. Another rock you got to get rid of is the rock of bad doctrine. There is some bad doctrine. And look, I don't have time to go into all of them, but there's a lot. So just have like 18 coffees this week with Pastor Aaron, and he'll tell you about all the bad doctrines that are out there. But I just, uh, let me just ask you this. Is everything you believe actually rooted in Scripture? Actually, okay? Have you done the due diligence of actually studying yourself? Do you even know why you believe what you believe? Or is it a family tradition? You just you take up space inside a church on Sunday mornings. Is it your faith or is it your grandma's? And you just don't want to let her down. It's got to be your faith. One of our elders up at, at our campus in Maryland used to say this to me all the time. God doesn't have any grandchildren. You're a child of God or you don't know him. God has no grandchildren. It's not like, well, my dad really followed you. No, you are a child of God or you're not. And the storm of tragedy, listen, if you don't know why you believe what you believe, tragedy is not the only thing that can blow in your life. You know what storm might come your way is the storm of a really clever agnostic college professor. And that might be the storm. You might could endure tragedy because you're a tough person. But when that, when that professor starts spitting out some nuggets and you're like, oh, man, yeah, I never, thought, never quite thought of it like that. Let me tell you now, for those of you that have kids in college, that, that storm is hitting them every single day. I promise you, they're coming for your kid's faith. And if you're about to go to college, they're coming for your faith. That storm is coming. Are your, are your roots deep enough or is it blocked by bad doctrine? You need to know why you believe what you believe. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Not work for it. Work it out with fear and trembling. And then another one is this. Man, this time flies by so fast. Oh, my goodness. Y'all ain't got nothing else to do today, all right? Just stick around with me for a little bit. Another rock you need to get rid of in your heart, and this one just, this is one that I'm working on right now, is the rock of indifference towards the gospel. And this is for people, so maybe, maybe you're in here and you've grown up in church your entire life. This one is one you got to get rid of every single day because you're numb to it. You think the gospel is for those non-believers. No, 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 no. It's not for the non- It's for you. It's for me. Every single day, have you lost your sense of wonder for the gospel? Has it stopped blowing your mind? Have you forgot? Guys, God is like up there right now and like all around and he's like listening. He's like a real, he's not just like a topic. He's like a real being and he actually made everything and then died for it. And he said you were worth it, even though you had no value to him whatsoever, but simply he just loves you. You didn't do anything that made him love you. He just does. That doesn't blow your mind. Has that stopped blowing your mind? I just, I don't want us to get to that point. We should have more joy than anybody that the creator of the universe loves us. This is the gospel that should blow your mind. You are more sinful than you ever dared believe And you are more loved than you ever dared hope. 
And for some of you, you miss it on one of those two. You either don't believe you are all that sinful or you don't think that you're all that much loved. And whichever one you need to know, the gospel does both. It will humble the proud and it will lift up the discouraged and the disheartened. That's what the gospel does. Don't be indifferent towards the gospel. This is, this is what your whole hope is based on. Get rid of that indifference. The gospel is beautiful. It says in 1 Peter 1.12 that angels long to look into the gospel. Meaning that when Jesus came to earth, angels were looking at that and they're like, why is he doing? These people are horrible. Why is he doing this? I can't believe he loves them this much. They can't even figure it out over and over for eternity. They're just like, God, you are so much more loving than me. I would let them just be stuck in their own situation. Come on, don't, don't go numb to the gospel, church. Don't stop getting excited. Let's lift our hands during worship. Let's, man, let's serve the poor. Let's, let's go out into the world with joy. We should be the most excited people in the world. But if you don't get rid of those rocks, and there's plenty more, your roots won't go deep enough. Storms are going to come, and you'll leave your faith. You'll deconstruct your faith. That's the popular terminology right now. Let, let's keep looking here in the text. Verse 7. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up with it, and choked the plants. The seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. So again, you see the progression, right? The, the first soil didn't even have a chance. The seed got taken away before it even planted. The next soil, it went a little bit deeper, but the storms blew it away. This one, we're getting, we're getting some roots here. So this one's growing up. This, it's got strong roots. The storms aren't blowing it down, but... The soil is almost too fertile because not only is the plant growing, but so are thorns. And as the thorns grow up with the plant, they begin to choke the life away, making the plant ineffective to be able to make other plants, right? When the fruit falls and dies, it's got all these seeds, and those seeds become other plants, etc. Well, the thorns are choking out the plant before it can make any seeds. And this soil is... This soil is tricky how to flush it out for our own hearts because the first one was easy because the seed was getting taken away. And then the second soil was easy to see too because it was falling away during storms. This one is such a slow progression. Getting choked away slowly throughout your entire life. You might not make it until the end of your life before you realize, oh my gosh, money choked away the joy of my life. Money made me so ineffective. The approval of others made me so ineffective. And I look over the last 60, 70, 80, 90 years of my life, and I didn't make a difference in anybody's life because I was choked away by the worries of life. And if thorns take root in your heart, you will have that same exact story happen. Choked away. Good soil needs placement away from the path. It needs rocks to be removed, but it also needs thorns to be thrown away. Needs those thorns thrown away. So what are the thorns? What are some of the thorns? Well, I already mentioned a couple of them. One, one thing you can think of about thorns is anything that you think you need in order to be effective, in order to be safe, in order to be fulfilled. Thorns is anything outside of the gospel that you rely on. And look, these are not all bad things. In fact, some of these are really good things. There is nothing wrong with money. Okay? You got to know that. And, and your pastor has talked to you a lot about money. Nothing wrong with money. But money becomes a thorn when you just need it. When you just, you just, you rely on it. It's like your whole life depends on it. Or dignity or the approval of others, right? You need to be respected. 
or, or you're desperate for affirmation from other people. Uh, maybe it's comfort. Maybe you just don't want to get out of that little comfort zone that you love so much. Maybe it's your own health or the health of your loved ones. Those are good things, but if you, re- if you require them for your life, if you make them essential to life, you're going to get choked away from the gospel. Because God told Peter, who had a thorn in his flesh, my grace is sufficient for you. Uh, my grace is all you need. I-, I gave you everything you need on the cross. You don't need anything else. I promise you, you don't. And even if you lose it all, I've got you. And the promise of, of hope and the promise of the return of Jesus is that he restores everything that we hoped for, everything that we lost. We get it back and then some, perfected, completed. That's the hope of the gospel that we have. And so, look, there's nothing wrong with having these things, but they're going to become thorns if you think you need them. Because that's what plants do, right? Thorns exist to protect plants, okay? But most of the plants that they're protecting are flowers, not fruit. So they protect a beautiful rose, Because a rose was never going to be used for anything but to admire. And maybe you got those thorns in your life because you think they're going to keep you safe. And because you don't actually plan on making a difference anywhere. Don't don't lose me here. Okay, I love you. I love you. But you're not actually trying to make a difference anywhere. You just want people to look at you and marvel at how good you are, right? So I'm just going to say, don't, don't, just protect me somebody, right? Look, that's what those thorns are. Pull that out. Come on, you don't need that. You don't need anything else but Jesus. Here's here's the Jesus math. You ready? Jesus equals life. And then if you have in your heart Jesus plus blank, that's going to equal death. If you think you need Jesus plus money or Jesus plus my health or Jesus plus anything, it's going to kill you. Eventually, slowly, but surely. It is Jesus and Jesus alone that we need. He alone is the hope of salvation. Faith alone can save you. Nothing else can bring you life. And you're going to see this on the screen. I want you to remember this. Anything your heart embraces to supplement your faith will actually strangle your faith. I know you think you need those thorns to protect you from the outside world, but you don't. Those thorns that you think are protecting you are actually choking your life away spiritually. You don't need that. Again, nothing wrong with having money. So here, let me just give you a way to filter this out. So how do I know if money is becoming a thorn in my life, right? How do I know if it's becoming a thorn? Well, ask yourself these questions, rhetorical, okay? So I'm not going to come for you. I just want you to ask yourself this. Do I doubt God's goodness when I'm in a rough financial situation? Is it, is it harder to worship God when you lose your job, when there's less money in the bank account? Listen, I'm not, I'm not belittling that situation. I've been there. I don't know if you were poor in college, but I sure was, Aaron. I'm telling you, man, I, 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 had, I was making $150 a week, working an hour and a half away, and I drove an F-150, okay, and the gas wasn't cheap, and I was poor, poor, poor. But listen, God is still good. So if you doubt his goodness, how about this one? Do I get annoyed when my pastor teaches about the commandment to give? Does it make you mad? Because it might be, that mean money is a thorn probably if it makes you mad, right? Or if God told you to give it all away, like he told the rich young ruler, Okay, if he said give it all away, if that would discourage you a little bit, it's a thorn. And what do you got to do? Get rid of it. Then give it all away. Start over. I'm telling you, just this is his, this is his word. So it's nothing wrong with having nice things, but when nice things are strangling you, right? Is the approval of others a thorn in my life? How about this? Are you a jerk to people who disagree with you? Okay, what if they voted differently than you? Oh boy. Everything will be good except for those other political parties over there. If they would get out of here, right? Come on. That's a thorn in your life. 
You, do you need people to agree with you all the time? Does it ruin my day or steal my joy when someone disrespects me? Does it, does it ruin your day if you feel disrespected? Really? That means you care more about what other people say about you than what God says about you. You've got to combat that. You've got to say, no, God said I'm loved. God said I was as valuable as the price of his only son, Jesus. So I know what they said about me wasn't very nice, but it's also not very true either because he told me I'm valuable. So I don't need their label. I need his label in my life. Do I avoid speaking the truth in love to people because I don't want them to stop liking me? Okay? So the people pleasers out there, you want the approval of others so bad, you're not going to hold other people accountable. That's, that's a thorn in your life. I, th- I think you get the point here. So all we're going to do is we're going to identify the things that we place too much emphasis on, and we're going to remove it from our life. Okay? So now, let's look at the good news here. I- I'm ready to turn a corner here. Someone come play these keys right now, because I'm ready to turn a corner, because this has all been really heavy preaching. So let's look at the good soil now, because there's good news coming. Verse 8. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. But the seed on good soil soil stands for those with a noble and a good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering produce a crop. Okay, easy. All I got to do is have a perfectly noble, pure, good heart. Easy, right? Look, I don't know about you. But let me come for me for just a second here. Sometimes I'm a little too close to the ways of the world. I, I preached at our church last Sunday, and I had to share. I had, I had some TV shows I had to stop watching because it got dark real quick. Okay, and if you know, you know. Don't be watching No Stranger Things season four, okay? I took a turn, my friends. Don't do it, okay? And if you know, you know. I, had, I, I get too close to the world sometimes. I love to watch movies. I love to watch TV. So my heart is, is kind of close to the path sometimes. I don't know about you, but my heart is a little rocky in some certain areas. There's some rocky spots that I got to work out. And sometimes I allow some thorns to restrict my spiritual growth. I like to be comfortable. I don't, I don't like to get out there and do some of the things I know God's telling me to do. So here's the, here's the rhetorical question. You can spot which of these three previous soils is your heart. Where, is you, where are you missing it? But here's the rhetorical question. Can soil make itself good? Absolutely not. There is nothing soil can do. It's just there. It's there. It's wherever the wind blows it. It's just, it's just sitting there. But, but there is hope. Because the last thing that good soil needs is a good sower. A good sower can make any bad soil good if it's a good sower. In other words, the first three points right here, these first three things cannot be accomplished on their own. Those three soils will stay bad if a good sower doesn't do something about it. So what makes God the perfect sower? He's not just a good sower. He's the perfect sower. Let me tell you why. Number one is this. He had the capability and the, and the compassion to become the seed. No other sower in history has ever been able to not only sow the seed, but to actually be the seed that he's sowing. Can you think about that? God is praiseworthy enough simply because he has the ability to become a seed. How much more praiseworthy is he the fact that he actually chose to do it? Do you realize that there was a moment in time where the infinite God of the universe became a single cell in Mary's womb? He chose to take that big of a leap. He became a seed. To make the soil better. 
He is a good God because he's able to do that, and he chose to do it. He's got the capability and the compassion that we need. How about this one? God is the perfect sower because he was trampled by the path of the world so that we could be protected from it. So not only did he become a seed, but he became a seed that chose to be planted in the rough area of the world so that we could be protected from it. He said, look, I don't want you going here. I'm going to go here. I'll take the penalty of it, not so that you can play around in it, but so you can be freed from it. I'm going to handle this over here so that you can be safe from it. I'm going to safeguard you from it. And when he came to the world, we trampled him. We did that. Well, I wasn't born yet. No, you did that. That same sin that makes you give someone, tell them they're number one when they cut you off, right? The same thing that makes you do that is the same thing that made people kill Jesus. We did that. He came on the path that we destroyed him on. But he chose to do it to protect us from that path. How about this? He's the perfect sower because we had these thorns, but guess what he did? He received our crown of thorns, and then he gave us his crown of righteousness. He said, you've got all these thorns that need to be thrown out, all these things that you think you need. Put it on me. Let me take the thorns. And he took them, and he wore it on his head so that what we could do is we could have his crown of righteousness. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God in him. You can become righteous because he took your thorns. How about this one? Let's keep moving here. God is the perfect sower because he rolled the rock away from the tomb so that he could remove the rocks away from our hearts. The only way those rocks are getting out of your heart is the same power that rolled that stone away from the tomb. You need the gospel. You need this resurrection power that he possesses so that not even death itself could stop you. Not even death itself could destroy you. And then finally, God is the perfect sower because he is the only seed that's able to transform transform the soil from death to life. Look, in every other scenario, when you put a good seed in bad soil, the seed dies. But in this situation, God is the perfect seed thrown into absolutely fallen, treacherous, destructive, dead soil, and he made the soil come alive. He transferred the life of the seed into the soil. It's never been done before. He is a good God. And what this means is that even the rockiest darkest, hardest, thorniest soil that exists can be made righteous. You can't do it yourself. It's not about moral restraint. That is not the gospel. If I were to ask everyone in here, when you stand before God, why should he let you in? My hope and prayer is that all of you would say, because of the resurrection of Jesus. Because he is my substitution. He's not just my teacher. He's my substitute. Because he took the penalty that I deserve. Do not stand before God and say, well, I did good things. I donated blood. I I served in the kids ministry. I I helped that old lady across. Don't do that. That's not what saves you. You can't make yourself righteous. We need the gospel. The gospel is the good news that the sower became the seed that redeemed the soil. And that is the hope of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So here's my invitation to you. Can you do three things? Maybe you're in here and you feel like you're far from God, or you just need to recommit your life to him. The first thing you got to do is you need to admit your heart is not good soil. 
you do not have a noble and good heart, and neither do I. We got to admit that. And then we also got to believe that only Jesus can transform that dead soil of our heart. And then we commit our lives to him. We recommit our lives to him. Only he can transform us. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If that's you today, and you know that your heart is not where it needs to be, and that you need to receive the transformation that he brings, I just want you to slip your hand up and you can slip it right back down. No one's looking but me. If that's you, come on, hands going everywhere. I see your hands. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Four or five hands gone up. You can put those hands down. And all across this place, because the gospel isn't just for those committing or recommitting, it's for all of us. Can we all just start to talk to God in our own way? And especially if you're in here and you're making that decision, let's turn this into a house of prayer for 20 seconds. Father, we thank you, God, that you didn't let us just die on our own, God, but that you redeemed the soil of our hearts by becoming the seed that we needed, God. Lord, I pray for every single person that raised their hand, Lord, that they would be transformed from the inside out. Make them new, God, as they acknowledge that they're not perfect, that they need you, God, as they believe that only you can redeem them, and as they commit their lives to follow you. God, I pray that they would commit their hearts to you all along the way. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray. Amen. Amen. And church, can we just welcome into the family of God those five people that raised their hands to give their life to the Lord today. Thank you, Jesus. Thanks again for listening. If today's message was an encouragement to you, we invite you to share it with your friends and family. Maybe subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. It just helps us spread the word about what God's doing here at Generations Church. For more information about the church, visit us at g.church. Have a great day, and God bless.